Chapter Nine of the Romance of Missionary Heroism. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Romance of Missionary Heroism by John Chisholm Lambert. Chapter Nine: Pioneers in Nyasaland. The traveller to Nyasaland, who has been carried swiftly to the far south and round the Cape of Good Hope by one of the great steamers of the Union Castle line, and has next sailed up the East African coast on a German liner may find after arriving at the mouth of the Zambesi that the remaining stages of his journey take nearly as long as the ocean voyage of ten thousand miles. First comes a tedious struggle up the Zambesi in a river steamboat, which proceeds only by day, since it would be impossible to pilot her through the snags and shallows at night, and sometimes sticks on a sandbank, so that, crocodiles notwithstanding, the black crew has to tumble into the water and try to drag her off. By and by, after entering the Shirei, that great northern tributary of the Zambesi which flows out of Lake Nyasa itself, the steamboat is exchanged for a barge propelled by poles. The barge is provided with a tiny deck-house in which the traveller is supposed to spend his nights, but if he is wise he will climb with his pillow on to the house-roof, where as he lies he can catch the night breeze and listen drowsily before falling asleep to the lullabies of innumerable frogs, and see the fireflies flitting through the reeds on the river-bank, and the southern cross gleaming before him like the chief jewel of a diadem on the forehead of the sky. When the Shire highlands are reached and the rapids begin, he must betake himself to terra firma for an overland journey of a few days via Blantyre, the central African namesake of Dr. Livingstone's Scottish birthplace, for this whole region of the Zambesi, the Shire and Lake Nyasa with its western hinterland, is consecrated more than any other part of the dark continent to the memory of the greatest of missionary explorers. Having rounded the rapids, partly by the help of a brand new railway line and partly in a machila, or hammock slung on a bamboo pole and carried by relays of sturdy natives, our traveller arrives at the upper Shire, where the river is navigable once more, and soon is again steaming onwards. At last comes a red-letter day in his experience when he reaches Fort Johnston, where his vessel glides out from between the river-banks into the broad blue expanse of Lake Nyassa stretching northwards for 350 miles. It is a slow and sometimes painful progress, this journey to Nyassaland from the coast, and yet how swift and easy and luxurious compared with what it was little more than a generation ago when Dr. Livingstone died but even more striking than the changes brought about in central africa by the introduction of steam and the making of roads is the transformation wrought by the coming of a christian civilization when livingstone explored the zambesi and discovered the shire river and the magnificent lake by which it is fed arab slave traders were devastating the whole country by their abominable traffic with its accompaniment of outrage and massacre wherever he went he saw skeletons scattered about the bush villages left without a single inhabitant, corpses floating down the streams in such numbers that he could not keep count of them, showing that the very crocodiles were gorged to satiety with human flesh. To this great-hearted man it seemed that his brother's blood was crying to heaven out of the ground, and he made a passionate appeal to the Christian people of Britain to heal what he described as the open sore of the world not till after his lonely death in the heart of africa and his burial in westminster abbey did his words have their full effect 
but the voice of the dead hero touched his countrymen as the voice of the living one had never done especially was this the case in scotland which claimed livingstone as her very own the established church of scotland entered upon its noble work at blantyre in the shire highlands while the free church now the united free church founded on the shores of lake nyassa that remarkable livingstonia mission of which the present chapter is to tell it was in the month of july eighteen seventy five that lieutenant young r n and a party which included the rev dr laws a qualified medical man who may be described as the veteran and hero of nyassaland together with a carpenter a blacksmith an engineer an agriculturist and a seaman found themselves dumped down at the zambesi mouth after a dangerous voyage from the cape in a small german schooner called the hara as part of their equipment they had brought with them a little steamer the ilala built in sections and as soon as they had succeeded in fitting it together they started on their journey upstream a toilsome journey it proved for the ilala had been built for service on the lake rather than the rivers and was constantly going aground and requiring to be emptied of its cargo and then hauled off into deeper water when the murchison cataracts were reached where for sixty miles the shire rushes swiftly down from its upper reaches towards the lower levels of the zambesi by a succession of falls and rapids their little transport had to be taken to pieces again and dragged with terrible toil over the long portage to the upper shire where once again it was rebuilt and relaunched by that time however the journey's end was well in sight three or four days of quiet steaming brought them safely at last to the lake of their hopes and dreams of the little ilala it might be said not only that she was the first that ever burst into that silent sea but that she was the first steam vessel to float on any of the great lakes of central africa the forerunner of the numerous steamers that ply up and down the waters of lake nyassa lake tanganyika victoria nyanza and the other inland seas of the continent the first settlement of these pioneers was at cape mcclear a beautiful promontory at the south end of the lake where before long the leadership of the enterprise fell upon dr laws lieutenant young being recalled by the admiralty to his naval duties from which he had only obtained temporary leave of absence from life in central africa an element of danger is never quite wanting those who have moved through the forests and along the streams can tell many a tale of adventures with lions and leopards with crocodiles and hippopotami crocs and hippos as they are familiarly called sometimes a boat is upset by a hippo or a boatman carried off by a croc once when dr laws and dr elmsley were camping in the open they were wakened through the night by a lion tearing their tent down and a lady missionary of our acquaintance can tell of a leopard which took possession of her veranda one night attacked her bedroom door with its claws and finally leapt on to the roof of the cottage and began to tear off the thatch which was its only covering but in those early days there were other and special dangers around the settlers there were fierce savages who often showed themselves unfriendly while arab slave-hunters hated them with a hardiness due not only to the invariable antipathy of the crescent to the cross but to a premonition that the coming of this little band of christian men presaged the downfall of their profitable traffic above all fever raged continually at cape mcclear and death was busy a queer country this a visitor to africa once said to dr laws where the only things of interest you have to show me are the graves 
yes replied the doctor but they are the milestones of christianity to the regions beyond milestones of this kind were frequent at first and by and by it became evident that cape mcclear was little better than a white man's grave in order therefore to secure a healthier site as well as one which would be more central for the command of the whole lake the headquarters of the settlement were transferred to bandawi nearly midway up the western shore the wisdom of this change was soon abundantly proved bandawi was not only much healthier but lay in the heart of a populous district with ready access to several large and influential tribes the work of the mission began to extend with wonderful rapidity along the lake coast and far into the interior but success itself brought fresh dangers and trials one of the greatest difficulties lay in the perpetual onslaughts made upon the more peaceful people of the lake shore by the fierce angoni warriors of the west these angoni were descended from a branch of the great zulu family and were possessed of all the characteristics of that brave but cruel race their fathers had crossed the zambesi from the south and carried death and terror all over nyasa land and right on to tanganyika their chief settlements were on the uplands to the west of bandawi and none suffered more from their periodical and merciless raids than the tribes in the neighborhood of the mission for fear of the angoni these poor people who lived largely by fishing were compelled to huddle themselves by the thousand within stockades or to build their houses on piles in deep water recalling the cranugs of our celtic ancestors or on rocky islets scattered about over the surface of the lake when the white men came to bandawi great numbers of the natives settled in the immediate vicinity hoping to be safe under their protection a great protection the missionaries undoubtedly were and yet the history of livingstonia in those days was constantly overcast by the shadow of brutal and pitiless massacre every now and then a band of the angoni would make a rush by night upon a defenceless village stabbing the inhabitants with their cruel broad-bladed spears and in the morning when word came to dr laws and he set out to do all that could be done by medical skill and christian pity he would find scores of unfortunate victims lying on the ground weltering in their own blood the bandawi mission journal says mr jack the historian of livingstonia reads in some places like the history of a bloody campaign owing to the frequent attacks of these mountain warriors expostulations with these people in their heathen state was useless for murder for its own sake was part of their very life and creed it soon became evident that the only way of turning them from their paths of blood was to turn them into christians a young converted coffer named william kogi who knew the zulu language was settled among them in the first place and did his best to teach them a higher way of life he was of course in constant peril and day by day there went on all around him things which were enough to break even an african's heart and which by and by sent him prematurely to his grave a woman carrying a pot of beer would be killed in broad daylight in order to get the beer and prevent detection a scream would be heard in the evening and on inquiring the cause he would be told that it was a worn-out slave who had been put out for the hyenas to devour as being no longer able to take care of himself skeletons of persons murdered were to be seen lying about many villages and in the bush still koyi's life and words were not without their impression and when dr laws secured from scotland in dr elmsley a medical missionary for the angoni themselves a striking work of reformation began among these savages 
not all at once however for there were sections of the tribe which were unwilling to give up their former practices and several years after dr elmsley's arrival there took place in a village beside the lake one of the worst raids in the whole experience of the mission a band of angoni crept down through the night upon the hapless people at the door of every hut a full-armed warrior took his stand and ordered the inmates to come out as they appeared the men and boys were immediately dispatched with spears while the girls and women were seized and bound with bark ropes in the morning no mail was left in the place and more than three hundred captive women sat trembling on the ground the angoni meantime feasting themselves on the food and beer of their victims but even here this tale of bloodshed does not end during the night a fugitive had succeeded in carrying word of these events to a station about twelve miles off where there were two white men agents of the african lakes company these brave fellows resolved to make an attempt to rescue the women seizing their guns and gathering a force of about one hundred natives they made a rapid march upon the village but no sooner did the angoni see them advancing than they determined to slaughter their captives wholesale rather than allow them to escape and so before the very eyes of the rescue party there began a horrible scene women screaming for mercy women wrestling for dear life with armed savages women and girls writhing in their death agonies on the ground a sharp fight followed between the angoni and the traders but after the former were driven off a missionary in the locality who had hurried to the spot found that while about two hundred of the women and girls had been saved one hundred thirty two of them were speared to death and all around the bush was full of dead and wounded men and boys it is one of the triumphs of the livingstonia mission that this whole angoni people who once lived solely for war are now peaceful subjects of king edward on september second nineteen o four they placed themselves by their own free act under the administration of the british government sir alfred sharp h m commissioner for british central africa accompanied by lady sharp as well as by several of the livingstonia missionaries met the angoni nation in a great indaba and arranged to their complete satisfaction the terms on which angoni land was taken over by great britain one of the conditions was that the police force should be entirely drawn from the angoni themselves another that Jacobi, a nephew of one of their own chiefs and a man who received his education at the livingstonia institution should be appointed the head of this native police the change wrought by years of christian teaching is significantly shown by the fact that throughout the whole indaba the commissioner was unattended by a single armed soldier and that armed himself with nothing but paper and pencil and with his wife by his side he sat all day in the midst of thousands of angoni warriors in all their panoply of shields and spears the following month there appeared in the aurora a journal which is published in livingstonia in the english language and is entirely set up and printed by natives a graphic account of the day's proceedings from the pen of one of the missionaries who was present with much justice he remarks that the scene inevitably suggested other and very different chapters in the history of the expansion of the british empire peace hath her victories no less renowned than war and in this case the teaching and influence of a little band of christian men and women have gained a province for the british crown without the firing of a single shot or the shedding of a drop of human blood but even more distressing at one time than the raids of the angoni were the ravages of the arab slave traders throughout nyasaland 
and hereby hangs another chapter in the romantic tale of Livingstonia. Over the Angoni the white men always had some influence, but over the Arabs they had none. It was contrary to their principles to take up arms against them, and so they had to look on while outrage and murder were perpetrated, all that they could do being to make their stations sanctuaries where at least the escaped captive would be safe and free. Even this right, however, was challenged by the Arabs, who by and by in certain districts of the country declared open war upon the white men, including along with the missionaries the agents of the African Lakes Company, which, as will presently be explained, stood, and still stands, to the mission in a very close relation of sympathy and cooperation. Out of a multitude of episodes in this Arab war, one may be selected which in its thrilling character, as Mr. Jack very fitly says, recalls the defense of the residency at Lucknow during the heroic days of the Indian mutiny. Milozi, one of the greatest of the Arab traders, proclaimed himself sultan of a large district near the head of the lake, and intimated to the whole Conde tribe that they must consider themselves his slaves. To escape from his tyranny many of the people flocked to Karonga, where the African Lakes Company had a station under the charge of Mr. L. M. Fotheringham, whereupon Milozi besieged the station with a force of five hundred men armed with rifles. Fortifying his post as well as he could, Mr. Fotheringham sent word to Mr. Bain, the nearest missionary, asking for his help. By a forced march of twenty hours Mr. Bain succeeded in reaching the Karonga and making his way into the station. Shortly after there arrived most opportunely from the other side of the lake four additional white men, including Dr. Tomori of the London Missionary Society, and Mr. Alfred, now Sir Alfred, Sharp, who has since risen to the distinguished position of H.M. Commander for British Central Africa. For five days and nights the Arabs poured in an incessant fire upon this little band of six Europeans assisted by about fifty armed natives. The defense was conducted with much skill and courage. Deep pits were dug in the sands for the women and children, while behind barriers of boxes and bales the fighting men kept the Arabs at bay. The escape of the party with their lives was almost miraculous, for often on waking from a brief nap snatched in the trenches, they would find their pockets full of sand kicked up by the bullets which had been sputtering all around them while they slept. It would have gone hard with them, however, if one of their number had not managed to make his way through the ring of besiegers, and to secure the help of a neighboring and friendly tribe. He got back just in the nick of time with five thousand of the Wamwanga behind him, and thus reinforced the defenders soon drove off the Arabs in confusion. For two years this state of war continued in Nyasa land, till at length the British government felt itself obliged to interfere in the interests of humanity as well as of its own subjects. In 1892 a protectorate was proclaimed, and on the hoisting of the British flag the slave hunters speedily disappeared, and the people of Nyasaland had rest. Reference has been made more than once to the African Lakes Company, and its relation to the Livingstonia mission should now be explained. From the very first, Dr. Laws and his fellow workers had done what they could to promote industry and commerce among the natives. It was a step forward when the doctor introduced money into the country, and taught the people the immense advantage of a currency. At first they were rather slow to appreciate the benefit, 
but before long they became so fully alive to the superiority of coin over calico as a medium of exchange that some of the more cunning ones would hand in a button and say with an air of innocence will you please exchange my money but however convinced the missionaries might be of the truth of dr livingstone's saying that to teach the africans to cultivate for our markets was next to the gospel the most effectual means of their elevation it was of course impossible for them to become traders they had other and more important work to do accordingly some of the same philanthropic christian men in scotland who had been most active in founding the livingstonia mission now conceived the idea of forming a company which while established on sound business lines should have as one of its principal objects the promotion of the cause of christian civilization in east central africa the leader in this enterprise was mr james stevenson of glasgow who will always be remembered in the region of the great lakes by his special and splendid gift of the road which is called after him the stevenson road it is a ten-foot road involving some difficult feats of engineering which runs all the way from the north end of lake nyasa to the south end of lake tanganyika a distance of more than two hundred miles it is scarcely possible to estimate the blessings both positive and negative which the african lakes corporation as it is now called has conferred upon the whole of the vast region which lies between lake tanganyika and the mouths of the zambesi it has revolutionized the means of transit by its steamers on the rivers and lakes and by its opening of roads it has awakened and stimulated the spirit of industry in the natives and has both created new and higher tastes and made plentiful provision for the growing demands negatively it has been a blessing by rigidly keeping out gunpowder and strong drink and by destroying any hankering on the part of the chiefs after the old traffic in slaves through its readiness to pay better prices than the arabs ever gave and also to supply european goods more cheaply the chiefs know now that it is highly unprofitable to sell a man when they can get quite as much for a canoe load of potatoes the operations of the livingstonia mission now cover an area of thousands of square miles along the lake shore up the stevenson road and far out to the west of its various stations and agencies evangelistic medical educational and industrial it is impossible to speak in detail but the heart and soul of all is the institution now called the overtoon institution in honor of lord overtoon to whose munificent generosity it has all along been deeply indebted standing on a lofty and healthy plateau a few hours climb above the lake and about a hundred miles north of bandawi it is a veritable hive of varied industry into its schools pupils are gathered from all parts of the country and from different tribes speaking quite distinct languages here young men are trained as evangelists or as dispensary and hospital assistants while others are taught bookkeeping and fitted to become clerks in the service of the government or of the lakes company carpentry bricklaying engineering printing and other useful trades are imparted by skilled artisans from scotland here too under a scientific agriculturist there is carried on a work of gardening farming and arboriculture for which the british government has made a free grant to the mission of one hundred square miles of land the beautiful manchui falls have been bridled so as to supply the plateau with electric light as well as with motor power to drive machinery a splendid zigzag road has been cut from the lake right up the precipitous shoulders of mount waller on the summit of which the institution stands 
The institution is provided with the telegraph and telephone. It rejoices in a literary and debating society, a periodical of its own, and many another fruit of civilization. All this besides the work which day by day lies nearest to its heart, the work of Christian evangelization, by means of which so many thousands of persons young and old have been brought into the faith and fellowship of the Christian Church. In the General Assembly of the Free Church of Scotland in 1874, before Livingstonia had begun to be, the late Dr. Stewart of Lovedale made a speech proposing that such a mission should be founded, in which he drew a picture of a beautiful dream city of the future that has risen up before his mind. It is not too much to say that the foundation stones of this city of dream and hope have already been laid. What I would now humbly suggest as the truest memorial of Livingstone is the establishment by this church, or several churches together, of an institution at once industrial and educational, to teach the truths of the gospel and the arts of civilized life to the natives of the country, and which shall be placed on a carefully selected and commanding spot in Central Africa, where, from its position and capabilities, it might grow into a town, and afterwards into a city, and become a great centre of commerce, civilization, and Christianity, and this I would call Livingstonia. End of chapter 9